Thank you, music team, for leading us this morning. It is good to be with you. My name is Jason Hyde. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, one of the, uh, just a note regarding Tuesday, uh, our time meeting our youth pastor candidate, uh, this evening is specifically geared for parents, uh, even parents who do not have kids and youth yet, uh, but it's also invited, you're, you're all invited, uh, but it's specifically geared for parents, so I just want to add that. Uh, we'd love to have a big crowd come out and, and welcome and get to know Justin. All right, so over the course of this year, the next few months specifically, we're going to be exploring discipleship, uh, specifically disciple-making. Uh, as we journey through a number of chapters in the Gospel of Luke, uh, primarily chapters 5 through 11. Now along this journey, what we're going to do is we're going to notice the way that Jesus made disciples. We're going to journey with the disciples as they watch Jesus do what he does and listen to Jesus as he teaches them the heart of the law and the ways of his kingdom. And we will journey with the disciples as they are changed, uh, transformed, and more and more by Jesus. And Lord willing, uh, we will grow and be changed by the Holy Spirit as we journey along with them. Now, I wanna, when my children were young, they, there was this question that they would like to ask, specifically during certain seasons of their life. Uh, they, the question was simply, why? Right? Uh, parents, are any of you in that stage of life right now? Your kids are asking why a lot. Well, I remember receiving this question one time uh, when I'd asked one of my kids to sweep the floor or do some kind of chore. Why? Well, uh, more specifically, it was why do I have to do it? My response, well, because you need to learn how to do this task. Why? Because it's, everyone, it's good for everyone to help out around the house. Why? Because I am trying to model and teach you discipline in your life. Why? Because one day you will move out and have your own place, and I want you to be prepared. Why? We keep going. Well, so that you can become a responsible adult. Why? So that you can live in a clean place and be healthy and model life well for your children one day. Why? Okay, well, so that you can feel a sense of security and confidence and structure. Why? Just do it. <laughs> the why. The why is significant, right? Especially when we get to the deeper levels of why. And understanding the why, it helps us make sense of the world. It helps us understand our motives and what's deep in our hearts. Now, throughout the gospel, specifically in the two stories that we will look at this morning, we will see all kinds of people come to Jesus. But they will come for different reasons, right? They have different motives, some good, some not so good. Uh, and what we will see and what we will discover is that, and what is especially amazing, is that when people come to Jesus with faith and desire to be changed, well, they leave with something that is far more significant than they ever knew. All right, let's look at the story. Uh, this is Luke 5, verses 12 to 16. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, I invite you to turn there and then just leave them open to that passage. We'll come and go uh, throughout the, the time here. 
Uh, in this first story, we're going to meet a man with leprosy. Now, leprosy was and is a horrible disease. It is an infectious disease that was spread by close contact uh, through moisture from the nose or mouth. Now, leprosy primarily affects the skin, creating these ugly, uh, disfiguring sores and rashes that can spread all over the body. It also affects the nerves. Now, because it was infectious uh, and, and incurable, uh, people with leprosy, they were banished to live outside of the towns. And this made leprosy even more feared because of the emotional and relational impact. They were the unclean outsiders. The constant rejection they would have experienced would have been very lonely, very dehumanizing. Now, seeing a person with leprosy come near them would cause most people to uh, flee very quickly in the opposite direction. And the priests, they were the ones who monitored those with infectious diseases. And so if a skin rash were to get better or if it turned out not to be leprosy after all, the person would go to the priest and be declared clean and then be restored back into the community. So that's a little bit of background. Let's look at the story here. And as you listen, I invite you to imagine. Imagine yourself as one of Jesus' disciples watching this encounter take place. Notice what Jesus does, what he says, and the grace that he extends to this man. And as I read this story, I'm going to offer a little bit of commentary throughout as well. Verse 12. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered in leprosy. Okay, so as you imagine the story, notice, notice the man's sores, his rashes, his likely disfigurement. See, his leprosy was already at an, at an advanced stage. Imagine in this man the deep feelings of loneliness and rejection that he would have felt for way too long. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And so we have to wonder, like, how, how did this man hear about Jesus? But we notice his desperate and very humble faith. Verse 13. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now we, we're going to learn later on in the Gospels that Jesus had the power to heal from a distance. But notice what he does. Right? He touched the man. Right? He saw past the ugly sores and the rashes. He saw this man. He saw his heart, he saw his longings, he saw his faith. Now who knows how long it had been since this man had experienced any form of physical touch. But full of grace and love, Jesus touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Okay, notice right, the power, the purity of Jesus. See, according to Levitical law... Anyone who touched an unclean person would become unclean as well. And we see in this moment something very profound, that Jesus was willing to be unclean for this man so that he could make this man clean. And this is a little, it's a little foreshadow of what Jesus will do for all people of all time, of those who will call on Jesus to be saved. But we'll come back to that in a little bit. And so rather than the leprosy infecting Jesus, Jesus' touch then far outweighed the power of the disease. 
Verse 14. Then Jesus ordered him, don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priests and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Now this command to not tell anyone, it comes up quite a bit in the Gospels. Why would Jesus tell people not to tell others about him? Specifically about the miracles that he is doing. Or isn't that what we're supposed to do? Well, essentially, what Jesus, he didn't want people making the wrong assumptions about him too early. Uh, he, he wanted to understand why he came and what he came to do. Uh, he wanted them to come to him for the right reasons. Now many, see, many had this expectation that the Messiah would be this political ruler who would lead Israel to earthly glory. But that is not why Jesus had come, as we will see shortly as well. The time to tell everyone about the good news of Jesus would come a little bit later, after they saw the whole picture of who the Messiah was and why he had come. Verse 15. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Let's keep going here. Let's look, let's look at this next story. I love this next story. I can still remember uh, when I, the old flannel graph stories of when I was a kid in Sunday school. Verse 17. One day Jesus was teaching. And the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. In other words, a lot of Pharisees had come out to see this man everyone was talking about. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Now some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on a mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right there in front of Jesus. These friends, they didn't wait outside until Jesus was done teaching in the house. Now we don't know how far they had come to bring their paralyzed friend to Jesus, but what we do know is that they would not be denied. They were desperate for their friend. And I, I wonder in this story, how was this paralyzed man feeling? Like, was he excited? Was he nervous? Was he doubtful? He'd been in this condition for a long time. Or had, been, or had he been living in so much shame and discouragement because of his condition that he tried to convince his friend when he saw the house was full, don't, don't bother. Jesus looks too busy for someone like me. But these friends, whatever he was feeling, these friends would not be denied. Now put yourself in the shoes, sandals, of one of Jesus' disciples. There you are, you're in the house, you're listening to Jesus, and there seated somewhere over there are all of these respected and proud Pharisees and teachers of the law, and they're, they're watching Jesus with skepticism. Right? They're judging his every word and everything he says and does. And then suddenly you hear on the roof, some kind of commotion. Right? And then this, this hand comes bursting through the roof, and there's this big hole starting to form, and they're ripping it open. Now everyone in the room, they stop, and they look up, and they're looking at the roof. I mean, how could you not? There's a hole being formed on the roof. And everyone's asking, what are they doing? 
they're sending someone down. This paralyzed man, I mean, his heart must have been beating out of his chest, out of fear and nervousness. And then from the hole in the ceiling, you see the faces of this man's friends peering through the hole. And I can just imagine the look on the faces of these friends. Such eager anticipation, such hope, such joy. This is why they came. Right? And Jesus saw them. He saw, he saw their, their faith. And I'm sure Jesus would have had this huge grin on his face as he sees these men on the roof. I mean, how could you not? And this paralyzed man, this, this man who, who would have felt so much insecurity and discouragement and fear for so long, uh, he would have been terrified. I can only imagine. Right? Terrified of the attention terrified that he might be rejected because he would have been used to that. And if I had to guess, if I had to guess what he, I guess he was telling his friends, right, I can't do this, I can't do this. <laughs> and the first thing I'm sure he would have seen was just the mass of people in that room. But then this man finds Jesus. This man that he had, been, that he had heard about. This man, his friends kept talking about all the way there. And picture what that moment would have looked like. I, I think that was the moment when his eyes locked with Jesus that the fear just disappeared. And the crowd and the noise just faded into the background. Verse 20. When Jesus saw their faith, right, the friends poking their heads from the hole in the ceiling, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Well, that was unexpected. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they began thinking to themselves, well, who is this fellow that speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? They're not wrong. Verse 21, 22. Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk? Well, let's pause for a second and ponder this question. Of course it is easier to say, your sins are forgiven. How could anyone prove it either way? However, to tell a paralyzed man, get up and walk, well, that required some tangible action, right, some proof. And so what does Jesus do? He does both. Verse 24. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And so he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Imagine the moment. Imagine yourself in the room. Be a witness to the moment. Imagine the excitement in the friends on the roof. Imagine the cheering, the smiles, the, the hope that they would have felt. Imagine the light and the hope that would have rushed into this no longer paralyzed man. Verse 25. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and said, and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Amen to that.
I want to go back to that question that I introduced earlier. Why? Specifically, why did these people come to Jesus? See, everyone in these two stories, they came for a reason. See, the man covered in leprosy, why did he come to Jesus? Well, because he was hopeless, and he was helpless, and he knew it. His leprosy was a death sentence. But when he heard about Jesus, man, he, was, he was suddenly filled with hope, for he longed to be healed and to be freed from this disease. The paralyzed man, man, he was brought to Jesus by some of the best friends that a person could hope for. To be paralyzed would be extremely difficult at any place, at any time, but it would have been especially difficult in the ancient world. Right? It would have resulted in a life of, of total dependence and, and begging. And these friends, they brought him because they had heard about this man named Jesus. This man who could do miracles and heal. And they wanted that for their friend. They wanted their friend to be able to walk again. That's why they brought him. I want to show you a, a picture of an iceberg. And I have this, uh, this picture hanging in my office. And the part at the top there, the part that sticks out of the water, this is what people see. This is the obvious stuff that people present. The man with leprosy, he came to Jesus to be healed from that part, from the leprosy. Likewise, the paralyzed man, his friends brought him, but they brought him for the obvious reason, because they wanted him to be able to walk again. That's what they saw. That's why they came. Leprosy, being unable to walk. These were the surface reasons they came to Jesus. And don't get me wrong. These, were, these are significant issues and challenges. But here's what is so amazing about Jesus. See, they, they, came, they came for that top part, for the surface stuff, for healing from that. But Jesus, he saw the reason they came. But he also saw the much deeper reason they came. The reason they probably didn't even know themselves. Jesus saw their deepest needs. See, they came simply for something. For healing. Which is awesome, mind you. But Jesus gave them someone. Which is a savior. Which is infinitely better. He gave them Connection, acceptance, relationship, someone to put their hope and faith in. Now the man with covered in leprosy, Jesus touched him, like I said before. He not only met the need for physical healing, but that touch, it would have brought a kind of emotional and relational healing that he could, never could have imagined. And the healing from Jesus' touch, it would have reverberated much deeper in this man than he could have possibly imagined. And Jesus sent this man on a path toward complete restoration in the community. The paralyzed man. I mean, it blows my mind what Jesus leads with. Your sins are forgiven. Now, we, all, we aren't told any more about this man's story. But Jesus... He knew the burden that this man was carrying. Maybe it was anger or bitterness or despair 
or some kind of unforgiveness or something deep in his soul. And Jesus, he saw the good and the bad, and he saw the hope, he saw the longing and, and, and the faith in this man's eyes. Your sins are forgiven. And that right there was the weight that was lifted. That was the deeper need that this man or his friends or anyone else even knew. But Jesus knew. And he healed this man to his very core. He came for healing from one thing, but Jesus healed him to his very core. There are, there are two other groups of people in this story that I want to briefly look at as well. The friends. These guys are awesome. Perhaps, perhaps one of them had seen Jesus do a miracle earlier. Perhaps one of them had even been healed by Jesus. We don't know. But they knew about Jesus. They knew the hope and the love, the grace that is found in Jesus, and they wanted that for their friend. Because they knew that this friend was lost and hopeless and discouraged. And they went to some pretty extreme effort to get him to Jesus. And my hope and my prayer is that we would be those kind of friends. Friends like these guys. That we who know and have experienced the love and the grace, the healing, the forgiveness of Jesus would introduce our friends to Jesus. With boldness and courage and hope like these guys. There's a last group of people in this second story I want to mention. And this group, man, they put a little bit of a, a stain on the story. It's the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. Now Luke goes out of his way to tell us that they had come from all over to see and to hear Jesus. But unlike the others in the story, they did not come with openness or humility or with grace. They didn't think they needed anything. Rather, they came to criticize and to judge. And there are plenty of people, there are plenty of people like that today. And sometimes they can be pretty easy to spot, especially online in the comment section. Right? People who are just blind to their own brokenness and sin and just like to judge and criticize others and everything, it seems. And if that's you, I invite you to do some self-reflection, to repent, and to recognize your need. And know that Jesus loves you, and he welcomes and invites you. And this leads me to the primary person in these two stories. Right? The person that these two stories are about and testify to, Jesus. And we've talked about why other people came to see and to hear Jesus. But why did Jesus come? Luke 4, 18 to 19, or the chapter right before the one, this one here, Jesus, he reads a prophecy from Isaiah about the coming Messiah. This was written about 700 years before Jesus was born. And these verses tell us about what the Messiah would do. And these verses, they were about Jesus. And this is what he reads to the people. The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. He came to bring good news. Jesus is 
the good news. He came to set people free. And these two stories that we just looked at, this is just a snapshot of what Jesus came to do. In Luke 5, 32, the passage that Pastor Garth will speak on next week, Jesus says, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Right? People who are carrying these, these heavy burdens, people who recognize their need, their need for a Savior. In Luke 19, verse 10, Jesus says that he came to seek and to save the lost. 1 Timothy 1.15 tells us that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Are you seeing the theme? John 3.16 and 17 tells us this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. This is why Jesus came into this world, because he loves his creation. He loves the people he has made. He is inviting us into life. Verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to save. He did not come to condemn us. Right? We already stood condemned. Right? All of us, we're, we're all guilty. Right? We've, all, we've all rebelled against God and, and put ourselves on the throne and chose to live our own way at one time or another. Jesus came to save. Now going back to the story of the leper, Jesus touched the man. He was willing to be unclean in order to heal and to save this man. And like I mentioned earlier, this was a little foreshadow of what Jesus would do for all people of all time, for all those who would call on his name. Jesus came, full of grace and truth, and at the cross he was willing to be unclean, condemned for you and for me. He was willing to take upon himself my sin and your sin and the sin and the brokenness of all those who would call on his name. He was willing to die the death that we deserved and exchange it for his righteousness, for life. And we receive this as we put our faith in Jesus and proclaim him as Lord. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it communicates this very bluntly. This is Paul writing. He says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now we've talked about why the leper came to Jesus, why the paralyzed man came to Jesus, why his friends came, why the Pharisees and teachers of the law came. We've just talked about why Jesus came into this world. But now I want to ask you a question. Why have you come? Why are you here this morning to get even more specific? And not like, well, this is what I do Sunday mornings. No, no, what, what, is, the, what is the deep down reason that you are here this morning? Now, some of you, like the man who used to be paralyzed, you are here to praise God and give thanks for the miracle that he has done in your life, for how he has saved you. Right? Praise the Lord for that. Some of you, like maybe the outcast leper, are here because you just experience, you long to experience connection, to be known, to be accepted, to feel a sense of belonging. 
And deep down, this is something that we all long for. Some of you, like both of the men in these stories, are here this morning carrying heavy burdens. And maybe you've been carrying these heavy burdens for a really long time. Maybe these burdens have led you to feel shame. Maybe you've been carrying it secretly and it is destroying you and you just don't know what to do. But you long to experience this kind of freedom that these men did in these stories. And if that is you, I know a man named Jesus. He came into this world to save. And he died nearly 2,000 years ago for you and for me. And he rose from the dead and he is seated at the right hand of the Heavenly Father interceding for us. And I want you to know that he still works miracles today. We don't dictate how God will meet our needs. But like the men in this story, Jesus is never content with just the surface stuff. He wants your heart. He wants to meet your deepest needs. And we just need to open our hearts toward him and let him do what he does. Ultimately, my hope and my prayer is that you are here today to meet Jesus. Through the songs that we sing, through the scripture we read, through our interactions, through prayer. And my hope is, here, is that you have come because you desire to be transformed more and more into the likeness of Christ. Because this is what discipleship is. This is the journey the disciples were on as they followed Jesus, becoming more and more like him in, in how they were to live and act in this world and how they interact with people in their lives. As we close in prayer this morning, I invite you to pray with me. And if you are feeling the Lord inviting you to respond and to confess Jesus as your Lord, Lord of your life, uh, I, I want to help lead you to do that this morning. Uh, I invite you to pray with me and make this your prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are great in power and so compassionate and loving toward us. Thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to save us. Lord, like the people in this story today, I confess my need for you. I confess my brokenness and all those times I've chosen to live my way instead of yours. Today, Lord Jesus, right here and now, I confess my desire to follow you, to enter into this path of discipleship. And I invite your Holy Spirit to guide and to shape me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And so if this is your prayer this morning, I invite you to share that news with someone. But before we, before we sing together, I also want to recognize that there are some of you here this morning who are also carrying heavy burdens. And I want to just, I just want to pray for you as well. And if that is you, I invite you to make this your prayer as well. And after that, we will sing our closing songs. Let's pray together one more time. Lord God, I, I praise you that you are Lord of heaven above and of earth below. And that you are greater than any problem or conflict or burden that we may have. And this morning, this morning I confess to you my need for your help. I need the kind of freedom that only you can give. And so I lay my burden before you, whatever it is, Lord.
whether it be physical illness or mental illness, fear, unforgiveness, burdens that have been kept secret or those who are those that are in the open. Lord, we lay it before you. And I ask that you would help us, Lord. Fill us with hope and give us the strength to follow you through it. I pray this in the name of our powerful and gracious Savior. Amen.